0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Angel. Uh, thank you, Phil. And, you know, I don't know if you know it or not, but Phil is uh, he's a little bit crazy. But I'm uh, so grateful for you, brother. Thank you for your leadership, man. And um, there's a lot of things behind the scenes nobody knows about. But uh, so grateful for you for your heart, um, for your youth. He's only uh, 18 years old, so praise God for that times two. Um, but uh, thank you, brother. You Bless me today. Yes, we're going to. And how many of you have ever know who Lottie Moon is? Anybody? Wow, about six. If you're Southern Baptist, you know that the Southern Baptist Convention has collected the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for 150 years, I think, and um, it goes directly to missions. And we're going to be doing a missions offering in December that's going to be threefold. One is for Lottie Moon, for missionaries overseas. Two is for the Florida Baptist Convention, which is where Julie and I were on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I tell you, to gather with uh, 1,200, 1,300 Southern Baptist leaders was a powerful, powerful time. You should be thrilled to be a part of what God is doing through the Florida Baptist Convention as they plant churches, as they do a lot of uh, disaster relief, and as they baptize really thousands of people every year. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And our other part of our offering is going to be for our mission to Jamaica, and we're excited about that. So when you give to the Christmas Missions Offering, a third will go to Jamaica, a third will go to Florida Baptist, and a third will go to the International Mission Board exciting time, opportunity for us to reach out and say, you know what? I want people to have what they need to make disciples all over the world. I want to bless the people of Jamaica. I want to bless the people of Florida. So I would encourage you right now, be thinking, God, what would you have me give? And I would always ask that when we give to a missions offering, we're saying, God, this is my best this is my best gift I can give. It's the, best, it's the most expensive gift I'm going to give at Christmas. So be thinking about that. You'll be hearing about that between now and Christmas. And on December 12th, we're going to have a special mission Sunday. Uh, God has blessed us through these years. This has been a hard time uh, with COVID, but God has blessed our church. Amen. Amen. He's blessed us financially. You've all have been faithful. Let's see what God might do with us. I think our goal is $40,000. Honestly, I don't think that's a problem. I think we should be able to hit that and exceed that. I said, we'll all be faithful to give and to allow God to use us to help reach the world. Well, some things in life need to be experienced up close and personal, right? Some things you just can't kind of skim by. If you've ever been to the Florida Keys, it's something you need to experience. You drive down US 1... You drive all the way to Key West, maybe you walk Old Mallory Square as the sun sets and see all the crazy people, amen? Yeah. If you done, haven't done this, you should, it's worthwhile. Um, but if you just go to the Keys and you go to, the, to Key West and you drive back, but you never actually get on the water, you haven't really experienced the Keys, Because the Keys is all about the water. It's all about the reefs. It's all about the snorkeling. It's all about the fishing. You've got to get on the water to see that amazing aqua color and actually experience that. You've got to get on a jet ski. You've got to rent a boat. You've got to get on one of those snorkel boats or a sunset cruise. You've got to do something other than just drive there and come back. Because if you do that, you'll say, you know, it's really just a bunch of crazy people and bad beaches. If you get on the water... It's a totally different experience. It's like you've left the planet. You say, well, Steve, you know, it's expensive to do that. i got to figure that out, and I don't really want to do that. Yeah, it is expensive. you know what? If you don't spend a little money, if you don't take a little risk, you'll just be a kind of a surface person that just kind of skims it and misses the whole point. In a similar way, if you walk down Atlantic Avenue at sunset in the evening, and you walk by those tables of people eating on the sidewalk. Getting hungry, aren't you? Smell the aroma. You See the way things are prepared. You go, I don't even know what that is. But you're like, this looks really cool. But you just keep walking and you never actually stop and eat. It's good, but you kind of miss the whole point, right? Because if you're going to experience Atlantic Avenue, and you should occasionally, you need to sit down and have dinner. You say, well, Steve, you know what? Then I'm going to have to be around people. I'm kind of an introvert. People might be loud. They might be annoying. Maybe my service won't be any good, and I'll have to spend money. Yes, you will. And yes, you may have some annoyance. But listen, you need to experience the full effect occasionally. Going there is good, but having dinner is better. You know what? The same is true spiritually. It takes some expense, it takes some effort, it takes some risk, and you're going to have to be around some people who might be a little bit annoying, right, Jill? Not Jill, but other people that you know, right? There might be around some people you're just like, I don't know about these people. Oh. But that's really the only way to see the Holy Spirit work through you and experience him. It has to be in the context of the community of the church. Today, the title of the message is this, Seeing the Ghost. Seeing the Ghost. Like, what are you talking about? Halloween's over. Here's what I want you to understand. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and when he comes into the lives of his followers and his church bands together, the world begins to see him, and you get to experience him. You see, we want the world to see the ghost, the Holy Ghost, through his people. We're in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. We don't just want to take a trip to the Keys, we want to experience the Keys. We don't just want to walk down the avenue, we want to have dinner. As a people, how does that work? What does that look like? Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says this, So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now let me set the context of this. If you've been with us, you know that the Holy Spirit has come. It has flooded, deluge poured out on the people, and they have heard the message of Jesus in their own language in a miraculous way. It's been an incredible experience. God has moved miraculously to let people know that his spirit is coming. It's here. And Peter has explained to the people, this is what happens, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. This is a, a brand new era of God working, right? We talked about this last week, that God is now working through all kinds of people. Praise God, because there's all kinds of people in this room. There are, he's worked through the old and through the young. He's working through male and female. He's working through the rich and the poor. Any one of you, we could all be filled with the Spirit and should be. Peter says, this is what's happening. This there is not going to last forever. There's going to be signs and wonders that are going to tell us that the end is coming. Oh, and this is all the result of Jesus Christ. This one sent from God, predicted by God, that you killed. Yes, you. Yes, me. My sin put him on the cross. My sin put him on the cross. My sin put Jesus on the cross, but the cross of Jesus paid for my sin. Amen. So in the midst of this, they cry out to Peter, what should we do? And Peter says, you need to repent and be baptized. You need to turn around and say, I don't want to be this way anymore. My heart is convicted. I'm stabbed at the deepest part of my soul. and God, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner, and I know I can't pay for my sin myself. I need you, Jesus, to pay for it. And that's what has just happened. And the word of the Lord said that so many received the word and were baptized. And baptism, you know, is that public washing, if you will. It's that dipping in the water that indicates that this is what Jesus has done in my life. He has saved me. And by the way, I needed to be cleansed. I needed a public spiritual bath, if you will. I want to say to the world, I'm not, I didn't just suddenly add Jesus to my life. I had, I started a whole new life and I'm publicly baptized, and I'm excited about that testimony. It says that they received his word and were baptized, and were added that day 3,000 souls. God's church is born. God's church begins to function. And so after this incredible thing, everybody just went back to living the way they always lived, right? Didn't change them. They went back to trying to be good. No, that's not what happened, was it? What we see in Acts is what the Holy Spirit does in the life of his church and how he moves his people to function. And as we look at these things, I want you to kind of evaluate your life. Is this what I'm experiencing? Is this how my life is set up? Because if not... I would advocate that you're missing what the Spirit wants to do. And I don't want anyone to miss it. I don't want anyone to miss the joy and the power that comes as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Verse 42 says this. This is what they did as a result. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So it sounds like that the Holy Spirit came in, people got saved and baptized, and then some amazing things happened. The first thing they did is they devoted themselves, they were excited about, they couldn't get enough of, this is what their passion, for things. Number one, the teaching of the apostles. Now, you know, in that day, the apostles were essentially a living version of God's word. Right, Because they were the ones, there was no gospels written at this point. There were no epistles written at this point. All that they had was the Old Testament and what they had heard Jesus speak. Remember, Jesus had told them, I'm going to empower you to remember these things. I'm going to empower you to share what I've taught you. And that's what's happening here. They are literally a living Bible, if you will. And they are speaking the words of Jesus. They're teaching the Old Testament in light of Jesus. The people were devoted to getting all that they could, to hearing everything that they could, to learning all that the apostles were teaching, and it just went on constantly. This was the passion that the Holy Spirit put in their lives. Now You may be sitting there going, you know what, I don't have that passion, I just need to try harder. No, you need to pray for the Spirit to change your heart to want that. You, know, you need to say, God, I, I want you to move in me. I, I don't want to just say, well, I've got to go home and read my Bible. I'm going to read the whole book of Psalms today. Or I'm going to read the whole... Listen, you just need to say, God, I, I want my heart to be turned toward you. Their hearts were devoted because of the work of the Spirit in their lives to the teaching of the apostles. Secondly, they were devoted to fellowship, which means they gathered together and had punch and cookies. That's what they did you an old Baptist, you know, that's kind of how we used to do fellowship. You know, it's we're going to have a little dry cookie and uh, punch and stuff like that. And, uh-huh. and chicken, chicken, you got to have chicken. Fellowship's much more than that. The Greek word is koinonia. And the idea is that there is a closeness, a heart level sharing that goes on. That honestly is a little bit risky and it might even be expensive. It's I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to know my heart, and I want to know your heart. Because of those who are mutually filled with the same spirit, there is a desire for that. You say, "Well, you know what? I, I'm an I'm an introvert. So am I." But it doesn't mean you don't need the same level of intimacy. You need to have some brothers and sisters in Christ, and you need to pursue those relationships. You say, Steve, that's going to be messy. It might be expensive, and it might be crazy. Yes, 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 it might be all that, but it's going to be a rich experience. It's going to be an experience that's going to build you up and build them up, and you're going to experience the Holy Spirit in a way you can't do on your own. They were desiring to be together, to be interconnected, to have deep relationships, sharing relationships, where they talked more about the weather or how bad the dolphins are. It's about saying, I want to know you. Because I want to hear what God is doing in your life. I want to hear your Jesus story. I want to have a deep relationship. So not only did they desire that, but they also, Luke goes on to say, that they, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Praise God for bread. I mean, I could live on bread alone. I really could. I mean, it's the greatest thing, right? It goes with everything. It solves everything. Everything goes good on bread, right? So we're talking about two forms probably of breaking bread. One is sharing meals, and one is doing what we're going to do in a few minutes, and that is sharing in the Lord's Supper. Do you know, there's a certain intimacy that can be built over a meal, isn't there? There's a certain... Togetherness, a conversation you can have as you're eating food in your home or in a restaurant where you can actually get to know each other and speak and relax and share. He says this was important to them to break bread together because they knew, like any businessman knows, if you're going to build a relationship, you need to go to lunch. You need to do something outside of the office. You need to break some bread. And they also shared in the Lord's Supper. And I love the reality that they shared in the Lord's Supper. It wasn't just, you know, we don't do the Lord's Supper individually. Do You ever think about that? It's not something we do in our own personal quiet time. Why? Because Jesus called us every time you're together, and when you re, every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. As a church, as a body, as a community, I want you to remember me. As you take these elements, as you take this bread, as you take it into your body, as you you take this juice to remember me, you do it together, there's a deep sense of intimacy that happens. In just a few moments, we're going to take those elements, and when we do, we'll have a time of repentance before this, but as you take them, I want you to be looking around at other people to say, I'm your brother. I'm grateful for you. God bless you. As you're maybe coming up in line to get the just don't cuz sometimes we're like this, you know what? I am super sad it's the Lord's Supper. I'm going to be yeah, be reverent. But listen, there should be a sense of togetherness. We're all in need of the blood of Christ. And I'm so grateful that you're here getting it with me. It's to be done as a as a body. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the word of the apostles. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking bread together. And they devoted themselves to prayer. It's a powerful thing when God's people gather to pray. That's why we pray on Sunday mornings. That's why we pray at first Wednesday of every, every month so that we can gather together as a body. We had a great time last uh, couple Wednesday nights ago. We did. We'll do it again on the first of December. We gather together to pray, together to come before the Lord, together to just be in the same room as we're lifting up our cares and what we are really passionate about. They were devoted to praying together as a body, as a community, and you know. As you just read these four things, it's important to see this is not something that they had to make themselves do. This is something they felt compelled to do by the Holy Spirit. There was something going on in their lives that said, we've got to do this. I, I, I can't get enough of this. Let me ask you, you see, this was not a series of lifestyle rules. Rather, it was a whole new era in their lives. There was something that God was doing within them. And, you know, in this time, it's been kind of tough because of COVID. And as a church, we can get a little bit separated and distant. And I'm so glad to see so many groups meeting again. So glad to see us coming back together. Because no matter how great Zoom is, you cannot have the intimacy that you can have when you're face-to-face in the same room, looking at someone, sharing with them, studying God's word. See, this is what life groups are all about. Life groups are all about studying God's word. It's about building those relationships that are going to be helping you through everything you face. It's about sharing a meal. It's about praying together. That's what it's all about. It's about processing what we have heard, what has God said, See, sometimes in our church lives, we kind of compartmentalize everything, don't we? Well, I go to church on Sunday, and that's good. And I go for a whole hour. Come back the next week. Listen, that's not at all what God called his people to. He called them to a daily lifestyle that included the entire body. And when we do that, there's something amazing that happens. It has an effect on the outside world. Look with me at verse 43 and following. Look what happens in verse 43. It says, And awe came upon every soul. Now notice, it doesn't say upon every soul that was following Jesus, that every soul that was a part of the community. It's on every soul in the area. There was a a fear, a sense of respect, a sense of what is happening among these people. Verse 43 and following is really a picture from the outside of how the world saw this movement, this church, this community, and they were filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Next week, we'll look at one of those signs in the third chapter of Acts. But these signs were all done in public, out in the open, in the community, often involving people who were yet to believe. Verse 44, and all who believe were together and all things had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I want you to go ahead and turn in your title to your house. Turn in your wallet. The ushers are going to be coming by to do that. A lot of people think, you know what, this is like a commune. This is socialism. What is it? No, that's not what this is at all. Here's what's happening. There's an incredible level of personal generosity here, which is why we do Christmas offerings. There's a sense of, I want to meet the needs of others, and yes, I would sell something in order to bless someone who needed it. I would sell a piece of property if I had it in order to bless the world, in order for this message to get out. I would do whatever I could for the community, for the church to move forward. See, in our world today, generosity is often someone standing up at a charity ball and making a donation and getting credit for it, right? Whereas when we give to the Lord, and we're saying, God, I, I don't want to be known. I just, I just want to be faithful because I'm moved by your spirit to be faithful and to give. So there's this incredible a bit, bit of generosity and the world is seeing this. These people care enough about one another to give to each other, to sacrifice to give to one another. And notice the effect. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, so the world is seeing this Day by day they're they're hanging out. They're connected. They're going to each other's houses. They're opening each other's refrigerators and eating all the spoiled food, right? You know what I mean? I mean, do you have permission to go to someone else's house and go in the refrigerator? Do you ever do that? Yeah. That's that's close, right? That's close if you just walk in someone's house and go, hey, what do we got in here? But there's a sense of intimacy, a sense of sharing each other's homes. You know, in our world today, in our culture, it's almost like, you know what? My home is my castle. Please don't come in. No one has a front porch. It's all about, I, I have a house, and I have a front door, and I have a security system, so I don't have to be around people, right? I go outside, and I see sleep in my home. That's, that's my, my place. The people of God, though, when you invite someone into your home, that's a point of intimacy to say, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. I want to see the goofy pictures I have on the wall. I want you to see how we live. I welcome you into my world. That's a beautiful picture of the people of God. And so day by day, they're doing this. They're attending the temple together. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. They're they're grateful for what God has given them. And they're praising God. And get this, they're having favor with all the people. And here's what the people around them are thinking, this is pretty cool. Those who are yet to follow Jesus are going, this is great. I'm actually impressed with these people. I'm not upset with them. I think this is amazing how they're living. It's really special. No one is selfish. Everyone's praising God. They're in each other's homes. They're generous to one another. And watch what happens as a result. It said the Lord added to their number day by day all who were being saved. When the Spirit works through His church, through His community, through the body, it impacts the world. It impacts the world. You will have conversations with other friends outside of the body, and you'll begin to tell them what it's like. We're not trying to sell them on something. We're trying to let them in on something that God is doing. And people begin to get saved because of what the Spirit is doing through His people. You know, sometimes we think that, you know what, I can follow Jesus as a Lone Ranger. I can do it all by myself. I don't really need church. And sometimes through COVID, I think people got the idea I didn't really need church. I could just watch it on TV and I understand some of that. But I got to tell you, if you're around anybody, you ought to be around the people of God, right? Because there is something special and intimate about being around the people of God. You cannot do what's being done in Acts all by yourself. You say, well, I, I've read stories in the Bible. I know Philip was used by... Yeah, there's some stories of some people who did some things by themselves, but by and large, God uses His people, His body, His church as a whole. And we really can't allow this. We can't get the full effect of the Spirit all by ourselves. We're like a foot that says to the hand, I don't have need of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I love that passage You see, the church is many members. So the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Hear what he's saying? But if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I, I, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You see, he's talking about how we all need to work together. We all have different roles, which means you all by yourself can't get done what God wants to get done. Just to have a foot really doesn't do any good. Just to have an eye really doesn't do any good. The eye and the foot only work in the context of the body. God calls us to be a part of the body so that His Spirit can work and so the world can see. So here's what I want us to do. In just a few minutes, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to spend some time in prayer before that because we need to make sure that we are filled with the Spirit. We need to make sure that that we have ever received the Holy Spirit, we have been saved, we have repented and been baptized. See, that's where a lot of people may need to say, wait a minute, I don't think I've ever felt the intimacy of the Spirit. I've never felt a compulsion to study God's Word, to have close relationship with God's people, to share meals together, to pray. I've never felt that, well, maybe you've never actually received it. Because that's what the Spirit does in us. That's what He leads us to want to be a part of. Just a moment, we're gonna have a time of prayer. I would urge you. Got it. If I've been missing something all these years, if I never actually received your spirit, I that I repent of my sin. I, I know I can't be good enough. I know I need a public washing. I need to be baptized. You can receive him in just a few moments. Following that, we'll receive the Lord's Supper. And when we do, I, I want you to. I want you to make eye contact with some people. And even say, I'm grateful for you. Or may God bless you today. Because taking the Lord's Supper is a community event. It's something we do together. After we do that, we'll close in prayer. But I would challenge you this week, maybe today, go to lunch with somebody. Get together with somebody. Hang out with somebody. Don't just rush off because the dolphins are not playing today. They already won this week. It's rare, but it happened. If you can't do it today, make a plan to be with someone who's a follower of Jesus today and encourage one another in Christ. Start that process. And third, if you're not in a life group, get ready because you're going to have an opportunity very soon. If you like it or out right way, we can talk to you about that as well. But consider, God, I, I want to have people in my home. I want to do a very simple Bible study. I, I, we're going to set this up next year so you can meet eight times in four months. Surely you can do that. Eight times every other week. Every other week in a home, a couple hours, study God's Word, have meaningful conversations, eat some food, pray. That's who we need to be as a church. That's who we need to be so that the world can see God at work. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper, take someone to lunch, get ready to be a part of a life group. Let's now spend some time with the Lord. Would you go before and let's bow our heads? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.